Welcome to February's podcast. This is Mark Cosgrove, Head of Watershed's Cultural Programme, bringing you thoughts and reflections on what is happening in the cinema this month. You've probably already heard of The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, either in its original form as an extraordinary publishing phenomenon, or now as an equally extraordinary film directed by artist-turned-filmmaker Julian Schnabel, which won an award at the Cannes Film Festival last year and is now regularly and quite rightly being nominated for Best Film in this award season. It was and is an extraordinary book, as it is the memoir of Jean-Domique Bobby, the flamboyant, charming and charismatic editor of French Elle magazine, who suffered a stroke from which he went into a coma. When he surfaced from the stroke, his brain was intact, but he had no movement in his body, bar the flick of one eyelid, a medical condition called appropriately locked-in syndrome. A terrible fate which is unthinkable, if not unimaginable. Yet out of this horrific paradox, Bobby managed to communicate through a specially constructed alphabet and remarkably told his story, which was published in 1997. The title, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, eloquently conjures up the paradox. A body which is leaden and restrictive, the imagination which is nimble and exuberant. Through the book, Bobby expresses the resilience of the imagination, the ability of the creative process to transcend the constrictions of the physical. A truly remarkable achievement in a book which should be read as a tonic of inspiration. When I heard that it was being made into a film, I hesitated at the prospect. How was such a definitively literary experience of entering a paralysed man's imagination going to be transferred onto the screen? Julian Schnabel's film does exactly that. He brings his painterly artistic eyes to cinematically unlock Jean-Domique Bobby's vision. I saw the film at its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival and was amazed at how Schnabel had cinematically rendered Jean-Domique Bobby's vision. It alternately gives you the impression of the diving bell and the butterfly, seeing Bobby trapped in his body in the hospital whilst flashback and forward through his imagination. Some of the film reminded me of the audacious visuals of Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, and in particular their film A Matter of Life and Death. The scene where David Niven finally goes for the operation, and we see a point of view shot just before he is being administered anaesthetic, the eyelids close in on the lens in such a spectacular way and for a second you see what Niven sees when his eyes are closed. Schnabel echoes such visual intensity and indeed exuberance in the joy of getting into someone's head, as it were. Schnabel's career is itself extraordinary. He was one of the high-flying artists in the States in the 80s. His work was part of that explosion in the market where the financial world realised art was a serious investment. And if you're an artist at the right place, at the right time, you can make some serious money. The value of the art was in its price, not necessarily in its aesthetic. I'm not a fan of Schnabel's signature painting. At that time, large canvases with broken crockery. The art critic Robert Hughes wrote a damning piece on Schnabel for the New Republic in 1987. Published in Hughes's collected art criticism, nothing if not critical. And I quote, Schnabel's entry to the Art World Hall of Fame, was propelled by a megalomaniac painfully sincere belief in his own present genius and future historic importance. And so, wittily, acerbically, witheringly and entertainingly, Hughes goes on for a right old demolition job on artist Schnabel. I am by nature sceptical about artists when they start making films. 
I also remain bemused why some filmmakers are not called artists, but that is for another time. I feel they, the artists, think to themselves, I am an artist, I make art, I will make a film, which by the nature of me being an artist, will then itself be art. This is not necessarily the case. See Tracy Emin's film from a few years back as a case in point. However, see also the case of Salvador Dali, who tantalisingly circled the film world and whose paintings display a dreamlike cinematic quality. He, along with Louis Bunuel, made two iconic surreal films in Chien Andalou and Lage d'Or. Dali famously provided the dream sequence for Hitchcock's Spellbound. But most surprisingly, or not really when you think about it, Dali was invited by Walt Disney himself to develop an animation project. One can only wonder at what the partnership might have produced. Clearly, Disney saw the animation potential and cinematic scale in Dali's artwork. Schnabel is certainly proving the exception to the rule. His first feature film, Basquiat, a portrait of his friend, contemporary and graffiti artist, was a strong first film. Then, Before Night Falls, a portrait of repressed sexuality in Cuba starring Javier Bardem and Johnny Depp, was an accomplished, atmospheric film which demonstrated that Schnabel could not only control a narrative over two hours, but could imbue it with cinematic flourishes. With The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, he has created his most accomplished film, bringing to bear his artistic visual sensibility to quite brilliantly realise the metaphor of Jean-Dominique Bobby's Diving Bell and Butterfly. The Diving Bell and the Butterfly opens at Watershed on Friday the 8th of February, and Chien Andalou is currently touring in the independent cinema offices Essentials, Masterpieces of Cinema programme following a sold-out weekend at the Tate Modern. Go to www.independentcinemaoffice.org.uk forward slash essentials for more information. As a footnote, I wonder what art critic Robert Hughes makes of Schnabel the filmmaker. Following on the art theme, for all those who, when standing face-to-face with modern art, feel that a kid could paint that, there is somewhat cautionary documentary with that very title which follows the case of a four-year-old who was catapulted into the media spotlight after a local gallery in New York showed her work and started selling them for thousands of dollars. Her paintings did indeed display a precocious talent, but what the documentary filmmaker stumbles into is the revelation that she may well not have been the only author of the work. The film is less about what constitutes art, the aesthetic object, and more about the money, manipulation and modern obsession with media and fame. My Kid Could Paint That opens on Friday the 1st of February. This month we introduced two services for blind and deaf cinema goers to enhance their experience of some of the films we are screening. First is Audio Description, which is a descriptive track attached to the film and relayed via infrared to a headset of the blind or partially sighted person. This gives added description of what is happening on the screen. To use this, the blind or partially sighted person needs to collect a headset at the box office. For deaf or hard of hearing, we are offering descriptive subtitling. This is subtitles which are projected onto the screen, giving dialogue if it is an English language film and description of additional sounds and music. If it is a foreign language film, the subtitles just give description of additional sounds and music. You need to check with box office on availability of both services or in the brochure or website. Box office number is 0117 927 
0000 and the website to remind you is watershed.co.uk In closing this month's podcast I want to point you to There Will Be Blood which has at its heart a quite outstanding performance from Daniel Day-Lewis. His ability to occupy or become the character he is playing is one of cinema's great joys. Whilst the bits without Day-Lewis and Gangs of New York didn't quite live up to expectation, here the whole film is exceptional and Day-Lewis mesmerising. I'd like to think he is based on John Huston's demonic character in Chinatown, one of the handful of truly terrifying characters in cinema history. The sheer pleasure in watching Day-Lewis's physical, subtle, nuanced acting is inestimable. Of course, I couldn't help think that Heath Ledger had it within his gift to deliver performances of such intensity and quality. Indeed, he already had in Brokeback Mountain, and for my money, superbly in Candy. What great inspiring performances we were to look forward to as he worked his way into the pantheon of great actors. What a damn tragedy, and may he rest in peace. There Will Be Blood opens on Friday the 15th of February. That's all for this month from Watershed's podcast.